0: Well, we 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 live in we live in a pretty good place, you know. I when I lived out in uh, Erie, Pennsylvania, my my the pastor that I worked for he would say, "Why would anybody want to live here?" and and it always used to bug me that he said that. Why would anybody want to live in Erie, Pennsylvania? And they would call Erie the mistake by the lake. In fact, it was supposed to be Cleveland. But they didn't. They, they started developing and they didn't like it, so they moved it every, stuff from Erie to Cleveland, and they they you know that's where I guess they did what And I've been to Cleveland. It ain't that big of a deal. No no offense for anybody that likes Cleveland. Um, I do know a Cleveland fan. Um, so, but uh, but we live in the biggest city in the UP. Okay, we do. And and let's be honest. We, we kind of think we're big shots a little bit because of that. It's true. The UP like 320,000, and we, you know, in Marquette itself, we're a little over 20,000, and, you know, we've got 60-some thousand in the county. You know, we, we think we're kind of the center of everything, and there's, you know, we've got all this competition with Hancock and Houghton and with Escanaba, and, you know, that's just, that's just what it is, right? <clears throat> but... Really, truthfully, we're just a small town among other smaller towns. That's really the truth. And, and that's, I guess, that's kind of what I love um, about this, this place and this area. Let me just illustrate my point. <clears throat> the other day, my cell phone rang and I looked at my caller ID. And these days, you know, you got to look, you, you never just answer your phone anymore. Have you noticed that? We still have a landline, and I'm like, honey, why? Why? <laughs> well, it doesn't cost that much. Yeah, but I mean, literally, why do we have? that? Because we never answer. You're like, oh, that, yeah, that's nope, nope, nope. Oh, uh, that's from the, you know, certain party, and you know, we we just we we just don't answer it. She's like, well, if if somebody really needs to if somebody really needs to get a hold of me, they have my cell number. Okay. And, and people that don't have my cell number, they're going to message me and we're going to, I'm going to get it anyway. So forget that dumb thing. But when your cell phone, you look at it, you got to, you got to see who's calling you. And a few months ago, it, the, the name that came up on it was officer first cautionary thing. I was a little worried officer Zarniak. And I recognized the name. He was an officer out here in in Chocolate. And what happens is our police officers, they will be part-time here and part-time there, and they they work toward getting that full-time job. And so I knew him, and so I answered the phone. I said, Hi, this is Kevin. And he said, Pastor Taylor, are you driving your truck today? Now, I want you to let that sink in. Okay, this is, an, this is a law officer who knows what I do for a living. He knows where I, I, I do it also. He knows my name, he knows my vehicle, and he knows my phone number. Okay, we live in a small town. We live in a small town because only in a small town could something like that ultimately happen. But in a small town, I, I guess I, maybe they do this in, in big cities, too. But in a small town, certainly people talk. It's just what we do. I mean, I, there are people that I know that, that if, if something's going on, you know, and they work for the city, I'm like, hey, what's going on? We, we want to know, right? Inquiring minds want to know. And it's the same thing in the church world that we talk about churches. We talk about our own church. It's just just the way people do it. And and people will say, where do you go to church? Or you might ask someone that you know, where do you go to church? There's a, a guy named Troy that's part of our church online family. And people ask Troy, Troy, where do you go to church? And Troy says, I go to Silver Creek Church. And they then ask the next question, well, where is that? And he says, 19 hours north. (laughs) Troy lives just outside Atlanta, Georgia. But yet he said, I am a part of Silver Creek Church. This is my home church. And Troy's never lived here. Now, his son lives in this community, and that's how he got the connection. But this is his church. People talk about their church. So when people, when people talk, the question is, what do they say about a church? And we've got lots of churches in our community, and I'll bet you've got opinions on other churches. And people in the community, they have opinions on Silver Creek Church. But they may have never been here before. In fact, they may have not gone to any church, and yet they have an opinion of a particular church. I want to talk about that a little bit today. What do we want them to say? Now, when, when they ask you what church you go to and you say, I go to Silver Creek Church, we, we, they sort of say, oh, oh, you go to that church. Because every church has something that they're known for. But ultimately, what do we as a church want to be known for in the announcements, Pastor Ben talked about uh, NMU Sunday. We want to be known as a church that that values the university, that believes in it, that wants to reach out into it, that is doing what it can to see students one to Christ at the university. That's part of what we want to be known for, what we feel called to ultimately. But what about that that person that's on the outside looking in? I, I have to I have to be honest with you. I grew up in church. I cannot remember my family not going to church. I got whippings on the front steps of the church. And I'm sure, because it was summertime, I remember it, and I don't think there was air conditioning, the, the windows were all open in the church. Guess what everybody got to hear? Kevin getting a whipping on the front steps of the church. I mean, that's, uh, that's an early memory, right? But, but I can remember that. And, and so I can't identify... Uh, what it's like to be on the outside looking into a church. Now, maybe your life is different. Maybe, maybe you got a lot of years that you can reflect on, where you were kind. You felt like, as far as the church was, you were looking from the outside in, and and you had thoughts and you had feelings that that somehow you got. And in a community like ours, one of the ways that that. Opinion is formed is by our interactions with people that are from a particular church and the things that they say and their actions. But how do they view our church? What are they thinking? When they're on the outside, ultimately they feel like they're looking in. But what do they see? What do they think? What do they feel? Do they look uh, when they when they when they make up their mind about a church? Is it about the building? If you're a person that, that needs a building, you know, to, to be a, a pristine church-looking building, you're, you're, you're just flat out of luck at Silver Creek Church. And I I have to just say publicly that I hate the baby blue bricks <laughs> that are on this building. I always have, and until the day comes when we can get rid of those and... and Have it look some other way? You know, that's just a reality. This building is an elementary school. But yet, we've been able to use it in a way that we could never use any other building that we could ever have. And we can see God's hand in it. How about the style of ministry? You know, if somebody walks in the doors of the church and they're hoping to get three hymns on a Sunday, they're going to finish a service here and they're going to go, I, I just don't know if that style is the style that I'm looking for in a church. Maybe there's a particular program that you're looking at. Maybe you look uh, at, from the outside and you see a leader and that's the opinion that you ultimately make about that church is based on that leader and what you see. I wonder what my neighbors think of Silver Creek Church. They have not been to Silver Creek Church, but I'll bet you they have an opinion of Silver Creek Church. They, they already feel something about what they, they think the church must be like. <clears throat> this, this morning, I'd like us to look at three questions that we really need to take into consideration because there are people on the outside that are looking in. And the first one is this, what ultimately, what do people think of? The church. If people are on the outside looking in, what do they think? What do they feel when they think of, and we'll just use Silver Creek as as the example because that's our church. You know, uh, statistics tell us that it takes a guest, generally speaking, an average of about 10 minutes to decide whether or not they will come back for a second visit. And that means that before the worship team has led in worship, before the pastor preaches, you know, they, they've already got that sense in their own minds. You know, that means that once they pull in that parking lot and they meet the person that's greeting people at the door, once uh, there's a person that's, that's welcomed them and hopefully given them a welcome gift if they have children and they stop at the the, uh, the children's check-in area and if, if they're on the ball, you know, Carolyn, thank you for being on the ball at children's check-in when you've worked there and, and volunteered there. They've already, by the time they get in here, they've already made their decision. Lifeway Research studied, uh, they they interviewed and studied 1,400 adults who had not been in church in any type of way in the past six months. And they interviewed them, and here's what they found. I think this is insightful for us. 71%, and this is good, 71% believe that Jesus makes a positive difference. I love that. They already believe that Jesus makes a positive difference. Maybe they don't believe yet that he's the Messiah. Maybe they don't believe that he's God, that he's the savior of the world. But they believe that he makes a positive difference in people's lives. 78% of people in that study, in that survey, said that they would be more than happy to have a discussion about Jesus with another person. So that's got to give us a lot of hope that we can have spiritual conversations with people and they're willing to hear about Jesus Christ. But then we've got a couple of other things. 79% believe that the church is more about organized religion rather than about loving God and loving people. In fact, 72% believe that the church is full of hypocrites And a hypocrite is simply someone who says one thing and does another. And I think they're probably low on that because I think that number should actually be 100% because we're all guilty of saying one thing and doing another. That's just reality. But the point is that I don't think that people that are looking from the outside always have the right perspective about what the church really is on the inside. So how do, how do people in our community, how do they discover what the church is? It's, it's, I, don't think a, a, I don't think an advertising campaign is what they need. I think they need, they need to talk to people. They need to hear from people within the body of Christ, within the church. And the most common way that they're going to hear those things is just people in the community talking with one another. You know, sometimes we got to be careful because our language doesn't always help. <clears throat> the church over the years has been guilty, and, and this is big church now, of, um, of using language that does not help people understand what church is all about. And let me illustrate that for you. Back in the 70s, you might hear somebody ask the question, are you washed in the blood of the lamb? (laughs) Now, for those of you that have grown up in church, no problem. I know exactly what they're saying. I know exactly what they mean. If I did not grow up in the church and I am new to the church, I'm thinking these people are taking baths in the blood of soft, furry animals. And that's not a good thing. That would creep me out terribly. What if somebody said to you that they were redeemed, that they were sanctified, that they were on fire with the Holy Spirit? What would you say to them? Get a fire extinguisher, and let's put this person out. You know, we, 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 say, we can say things that give people a, a very confusing look at what the church is all about. Now, let's imagine for a moment that we are at a, a, a convention, and this is a very specific convention. It's a psychology textbook convention, okay, and the keynote speaker that evening is none other than Dr. Adam Proust. I hold in my hands said textbook written by Dr. Adam Pruce. And let's say that in the midst of this, this incredible lecture that he is giving, that he... <laughs> That he says to you that he is going to speak to you on the effects of dissociative anesthetics on the cerebral cortex. What would you say? I'm out no. <laughs> but if if you're a psychology professor, you're gonna be on the edge of your seat. Okay? You're gonna be on the edge when 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 Madison talks about statistics. I'm so glad when somebody else understands it in the conversation because I'm just trying to look interested, okay? <laughs> Brian, when you, when you talk about, and Brian loves to talk about physical therapy, okay? He does. Every session with Brian is an education. And, and you're, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh, yeah, uh-huh. I know nothing about what he's saying. But he makes it sound interesting. You know, it's it's incredible. Sometimes in the church, we can make it hard for people to get to Jesus by what we say or what we do. Luke chapter 19, uh, starting at verse 1, it says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, I can identify with this man's plight, because he was short, he could not see over the crowd, so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. Now, the crowds constantly followed Jesus. They wanted to see him heal. They wanted to see him do miracles, feed people. They, they, they followed him. I don't want to say it was for entertainment, but some, some of them, it probably was, but some of them were genuinely following him as well. And so they were crowding in, and this guy who needed and wanted to meet Jesus could not do so. They were actually in the way. It's called the Zacchaeus effect. Literally, as the church, we can get in the way of those who want to get to Jesus by our words and our actions. We can keep them from doing so. So let's help people get a better view. Let's help people actually be able to see Jesus. Because if they're looking at you or if they're looking at me, you know what they're seeing? those hypocrites that the 72% are convinced fill the church that's what they're seeing we want to have them see Jesus Jesus said if I'm lifted up I will draw all men unto myself that's what we want them to see we want them to see Jesus that's really the best so let's look at question number 2 number 2 what should people see Jesus is asked about the greatest commandment and his answer is that you should love the Lord your God with all your heart soul, and mind. That's, that's understandable. We should love God. But then he goes on, he said, the second commandment, and he says this in Matthew 22, is like it. The second commandment is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So in other words, if we love God with all our heart, mind, and soul, and we love our neighbor as ourself, we are literally fulfilling The entire law of God, the entire scripture, we're fulfilling it by doing that. Love God, love people. Jesus said it this way in John 13, 35. By this they will know you are my disciples if you love one another. Outsiders should see the church, whether it's Silver Creek Church or Harvey Baptist across the street or any other church in our community, they should be able to see that we love God and that we love other people. They should be able to see that. In fact, that's how they'll identify that we are genuine followers of Christ. But what should that love look like? Let's look at a few different things. Ephesians 4.29, second half of the verse, it says, building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. We've already admitted that no one in the church is perfect, but in the church, as we grow in our faith, we should become more like Jesus, and each of us needs help as we grow. And so we should be building each other up according to the needs that we have. The message of the church, the action of the people that are part of the church should produce spiritual growth in us. We should be growing in our faith, in our relationship with Jesus Christ. We should ultimately be growing. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 32 the apostle Paul says this, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Jesus Christ just as in Christ God forgave you. Remember the golden rule? We've got a lot of teachers and and professors and and administrators that are a part of the church and and I know that school has started and they're all on they're stressed out but in their classrooms Man, they even over the years, I'm sure, we've seen the words in class about the golden rule. Those are Jesus' words do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That is ultimately Jesus' message to us that we need to be compassionate, we need to forgive one another. We all desire compassion and forgiveness. And there's none of us that is exempt from that command. It is literally, Peter even says it in in his first letter, that literally it applies to all of us that we should be compassionate, that we should be forgiving to one another. And that does not mean that we are condoning sin. That does not mean that we are withholding godly discipline. It means that we should have compassion, that we should have forgiveness one toward the other. Jesus said, don't forgive seven times, forgive 70 times seven. Now, I don't think we have to keep track. I don't think we have to say, well, that's 491, you're out. I don't think that's what we do. I think we forgive. We need to be compassionate and forgiving, and people need to see that. Philippians 2, 4 Paul says this, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. We need to make others more important than ourselves. We need to be careful not to be absorbed in self or just my own family. And in today's world, it's really easy to do that. Maybe it's not just you. Maybe it's just you and your spouse and your children, and circle the wagons. I have a friend that described it this: we just pull up the moat after five o'clock, you know, we or pull up the drawbridge and let the gators out, you know, in the moat. Just we're, we're it's just about us, and it's easy for us to become that, and that's not what we should ultimately do. We need to value others above ourselves, to be interested in the welfare of others. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 2, it says, Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. In the first century, the church was under persecution, and literally they were fleeing, some of them, their homes. And so what do you do? You knock on the door of another person. So you open that door. There's someone who has fled in persecution, and they are living the life that you are living. And so there's only one response, and that is to open your door and to invite them in, to be hospitable to them and to care for their needs. What do new people feel like when they walk through our doors? And and I'm not just speaking of Silver Creek Church, but I'm speaking of every church in our community. What do people feel like when when they brave a visit? And we try to do everything that we can. On our website, it says planning a visit. We try to tell them everything that they will encounter when they come in and when they visit the church. Why? We want them to enjoy themselves. We want them to come back. We want them to experience a hospitality. We want to offer them a cup of coffee. We want to give them a gift. We want them to, to enjoy themselves in the service ultimately. How do they feel? Question number three is, what will be the result of what people see? If they see us as the church being hospitable, if they see us valuing others above ourselves, if they see us being compassionate and forgiving to one another, if they see us building each other up according to our needs, how will they respond when they see that? Three things that we see that Scripture tells us. Even though they might think that the church is more about organized religion rather than about loving God and loving people, even though they may feel the church is full of hypocrites... When they see us do those things, number one, they're going to take notice. They will notice. It may not change them immediately. It may not, they, they may not fall on their knees and say, God, come into my life. I surrender my life. But they will take notice. In Acts chapter 4 and verse 13, Peter and John had been arrested and put in prison And it says that when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Peter and John were preaching the resurrection. There was an incredible disturbance that happened in the community. They were put in jail, and they came before uh, the leaders, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were courageous. Even though they were unschooled, they were ordinary common men. It says that those people took notice that these men had been with Jesus. That should be what people see and how they respond. When they see us doing those things that I mentioned, they should take notice. They've been with Jesus. Secondly, they're going to have respect. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 12, the apostle Paul says, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so you will not be dependent on anybody. When people from the outside of the church look inside the church and they see the church loving God and loving one another and meeting people's needs and being hospitable to one another, it will cause them to have a respect because when people treat other people well, it garners respect. Again, it may not mean that they have a salvation experience at that moment, but it will cause them to have a respect. And I want you to understand that that when people begin to search for God, who are they going to search from? Where are they going to look? They're going to look at somebody or something that they trust, that they respect, and they're going to ask them those spiritual questions. So if we don't have any respect in the community, then people aren't going to come looking for Jesus among us. And then thirdly, they're going to favor. Acts chapter 2, verse 47, it says, They were praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. What were the disciples doing? They were giving to anyone who had need. They were glad. And they had glad and sincere hearts. So the community at large was watching them. And they were silencing the opposition. They had their observable actions and their attitudes were, were winning over the community and their opinions. And they were enjoying favor. People in a community are going to talk about the church. And they're going to talk about all of them. What are they going to see as outsiders looking in? We can make the gospel attractive by our words and by our actions. Or we can turn people off. We can let people see that we love God and that we love others by the things that we do and the things that we say. And I believe that when those people begin to search for something spiritual, they are going to look to churches where they see that love for God and that love for people. And they're going to say, that's what I want and that's where I'm going to get it. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the opportunity to gather today in worship as we we were challenged that, that God has a victory for us. And Father, as we start this new series and we look at the, 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 what we want to be seen as and known as in the church, not in a prideful sense, but, but how we want the, the community to see us, to see us as a church that loves God and loves people. Father, I pray that you will bring people that will, and, and let us encounter people every day in our lives that will, that will be witness of us loving people and loving God as your word says. And Lord, I pray that as they look for spiritual answers, that there will be a trust that they have. And as we get that opportunity to share, Father, I pray that lives would be changed and that we would see many come to know Jesus Christ in your name.